Hi everyone, I'm Wa. And I'm Chris, and welcome to Jockey Sweeties. We're two longtime friends who discuss the riveting and sometimes trashy world of reality TV and docu series. Yes, but through our own lens, which is, of course, can be bitter, can be spicy, it can be salty mostly. At the end of the day, hopefully a touch of sweetness at the end. Bye, I'm done. <laughs> no. We are so salty, just bitter and angry bitties. Yeah. So what we're talking about in this episode is a docu-series. Sure. We, we found another one. It's called The Sins of Our Mother, and it is on Netflix, and it is about a woman named Lori Vallow, Vallow mm-hmm. who her and her husband are convicted of the deaths of her two children. Well, not yet. Well, we'll see what happens. It's sins of the mother. So just so what did I say? Sins of our mother. Oh. So our mothers are, you know, are sinful in their own ways. It's not the same as Lori. Sins of the mother would be mostly mm. just, you know, Kobe guy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, basically, yes. So as we get into this, we don't know where you stand in your knowledge of this. I, this is somewhat new. This was like just happened in the 2019 and then of course COVID happened so like not much since so I knew about the story going in why did you ever hear the story now that you've you know no I didn't know of it in real time Mm -hmm. so that's why watching this was a shock and and I was like wow this happened in you know last year it certainly did. So on this episode, we are going to break down the first episode of Sins of the Mother, which is, of course, again, the story of Lori Cox Vallow and then her family and her surrounding life and her very intense relationship with spirituality, religion. And there are going to be some common themes of other docuseries that we have been able to watch and review, as well as on this episode, we are so pumped to have our good friend and yours. KKC from Reality Life with KKC on to talk about this series. And she has a unique perspective as, of course, being like incredibly diligent professional podcast hoster. Yeah. That her podcast actually had two guests from the docuseries that we're doing on her. So she actually had doctor, one of the doctors who did the forensic psychiatry for it mm-hmm. and the director, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually really interesting really cool that she was able to interview those two people. This is episode one. It's called the 144,000. If you guys are at all familiar with Revelations, the book of, and the Christian faith that uses the Christian Bible, Mm -hmm. there is a passage or two that talks about the 144,000 people who will be making it to heaven. (laughs) Yeah. And so- Short list. Yeah, very, very short VIP list. list. I mean, it's VIP of Yeah, VIPs. that means just like- Artist like, pass. I mean, they, yeah. this this is for a time when there were only a million people on the earth. You know what I'm saying? This is not a time where there's like so Oh, it's many. even more exclusive now. It's, it's like, just, there's more black cards going around yeah, this world. It's you like, know? it's, this is 144,000 is- No one. Nothing. It's, it's, it's a, it's not even a small country. Like, maybe it might be, it might be a small country. I'm sure know? there's more Club 33 members. Yeah. It's just so crazy. So we start off with hearing her son, Colby, who is mm-hmm. basically one of the, if not the main narrator of this um, yeah. documentary. Mm-hmm. P.S. The documentary, the pacing of it is a little weird. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that too, because, you know, we, we come from that sort of background. Mm-hmm. So he talks about Lori being a wonderful mother and that 
belief will take you to a different place. Mm. And we also are introduced to Janice, who mm-hmm. is her mother, mm-hmm. who had her house in the LDS. That's what she, how she says it. My, my children were raised in the LDS church mm-hmm. and she has her husband, Barry, who we only see like one time. And that's mm-hmm. it. Barry mm-hmm. was like, I, I, I'm going to give you one interview and not much information. So yeah, that's it. So they, they just talk about how they had a big, loving, happy family. From Janice's point of view, nobody was ever upset. She had four kids, Lori being the third child and her two oldest kids being Adam and Alex and then Lori and then the daughter, Summer, who we only see one time in an interview, not even in the actual interview of the show. So Kobe talks about how his, he was mad at his grandmother for defending his mother for so long because he felt like you know, shenanigans were ensuing and the grandmother didn't do her due diligence. But we're, what we're seeing here is a woman who was unable to cope with the fact that her family situation had gone so in a direction she would have never assumed. And so she was like, can't be true. Impossible. Yeah. She comes from that grain that was probably like, we don't talk about our problems. We no, there are no problems. We're perfect in every way. She has an austere, she has a very youthful spirit to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she sounds like she is, you know, on this podcast with us. She's a very youthful sound to her voice or whatever. 100%. It's like, I looked down, I heard a voice, I looked up and I said, oh, is that, oh, that is a youthful sound that came out of that woman's mouth. Yeah. So her and Barry, Barry says that when Lori was eight years old, that she was already influenced by the power of the Lord, that she had a strong faith in Jesus. And the people around her also said that some of her antics, uh, she would also say that the Lord spoke to her. So it was very important for everyone to know that Lori was very devout and that she, you know, spoke to God. At some point she told people that she was actually speaking to the angel Moroni. Yes. um, Which is, you know, the angel that helped write or was aided in the book of Mormon. Yes. 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 Joseph Smith found in a forest and also provided the magical glasses necessary to read said book. Yeah. The grandmother is a lot of things. And, you know, I think that with Lori's character, the mother becomes even more fascinating. She was like, yeah, Lori, you know, had her first son and then she had her second daughter and she was like a little baby, five pounds, just like such a little small one, you know, and like her mother is slight too. Like it feels like, and her mother for being God bless up there is never going to have a gray hair on her, Yeah, you know, like not the type. You know, yeah, not the time. Not the time. She goes to the beauty salon and she gets her nails did, hair did, everything did. Mm-hmm. So interesting enough about Lori, and this is no shame, but she got married very early with no early. kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. she got married very young. Yeah, right after high school, didn't have a kid. Then she met a man named William. Yeah, married him, had a kid. Mm-hmm. Then her and William didn't have a good relationship. That was so Kobe. Yeah. She yeah, she divorced William, took Kobe, met a man, and married a man named Joe. And Joe seemed very sweet and loving to Kobe. And he Mm -hmm. remembers like, oh, finally we have a family. And Mm -hmm. then they had baby girl, Tylee. And when Tylee was about one years old, Lori decided that she was going to enter the Miss Texas pageant. And so she became, you know, a little pageant queen, a little mama pageant queen. Yeah. And she like, she sucked in that tummy, honey. Mm Because she was like flexing those abs and those abs were good. Mm -hmm. She like Mm -hmm. lifts, you know, she like did the whole bikini walk. I mean, she has this clip from what looked like one of the interviews where she is dressed up to the nines and that kind of like glam 90s look like black sequins god bless like velvet some sort of 
you know, puffy head updo. And she's like, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, and I had to do so much. It's just basically like I'm a ticking time bomb. And they showed that a lot, and that part was scary. And I think, you know, like, Kate Casey has so many kids, I feel like she must have watched that. I was like, that's me. We can ask her later. But yeah, she, you know, wanted, she likes having all eyes on her. She likes to feel, I think, important. I think one of the most important things is that she was on the Wheel of Fortune. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Now, this is like, they didn't go enough into that. Yeah. First of all, I love, I was on Family Feud. So, like, I love being on one of those kind of shows. But she's Mm -hmm. on... She is on this episode of Wheel of Fortune and she has what they must have put extensions on her, the stripiest extension, my love. Like it was like J-Lo performance style where it's like brown, blonde, brown, like, you know, but like even thicker, chunky, chunky, chunky as the day is long. And she, they're like, well, what do you do, Lori? And she's like, I'm a mom and a hairdresser in Austin. And she was like, well, you must be single-handedly keeping up that Austin hairdresser scene. And she's like, yeah, pretty much. And I was like, oh, it was a bad place in the to get a hair color in Austin during the 90s. Yeah. So she was doing the damn thing. And her sister-in-law, Joe's sister, said that she felt like Lori always wanted to, like, be on stage performing somewhat. Like, there was something about her being the center of attention that I think was intriguing to Lori. Uh, It ends up turning out that Joe was abusive to Lori. And the sister-in-law wanted Lori to leave Joe and actually remain friends with her after she and Joe divorced. But also another thing that prompted the end of Joe's divorce, uh, Joe and Lori's divorce, is that Kobe came forward when he was eight years old and told his mother that Joe had been sexually abusing him. And I think that something in Lori broke at that moment. Like she was already protective of her kids because all of the, you know, man to man jumping was an effort to be the perfect family. She grew up in what would be considered a perfect family, right? Mm -hmm. And she just didn't get it the way she wanted to. So she was going to keep trying over and over again. And then she jumped into the lap of a pedophile who, you know, cased her and abused her son and abused her. So she got out of that relationship mm-hmm. and she got, you know, she turned to the temple is what they described it as. So this was a little confusing to us and someone who we're not Mormons. And so there is something like there's the regular Jesus Christ Church of Latter-day Saints. And then there are like these subsects that are like, well, there's like the fundamentalist Mormons that we know from like sister wife situations or whatnot and then there are the ones that are like more i think the apocalyptic and are not ones. so you know whether like how much they intertwine or how secular they are or sorry sorry, insular they are between the other kinds of mormons we're not quite sure love to ask but yeah basically she has audio of of talking to someone being like i turned the temple because my ex-husband raped my children and I was going to either murder him or get the F out. And then we hear that her brother, who is a stand-up comedian, has a set joke where he's basically like, you know, we have to do something and it's also a fair felony, but it's the right thing to do. And he discusses about that he tasered this dude's junk in like some sort of retaliative move. Now, what happened with that? He says he got a felony. Yeah, he record. said he was on probation on stage and his mother would describe him this is you know janice alex's mother would describe him as like the funny one in the family and so you know was no surprise that he ended up becoming a 
stand-up comedian. And like from this point, we start to realize that, you know, not to realize after we've watched it, but that like Alex is somewhat very close to his sister, Lori. And he went over there and handled business in the way that I think a big brother should. I mean, I didn't fault him for going over there, taking a taser to Joe's balls. They needed to have a taser taken to. Mm -hmm. So then she meets a man named Charles through a family, through a client at her shop. And Charles is, you know, everything that I think Janice wanted for her daughter. Colby even says that, you know, while I do think my mom loved Charles when they first met, I also think it's the fact that Charles provided stability. Financial stability, honey. That sounds great. He wanted to take care of her and her two children. Yeah. And he also had Had some boys. Yeah, had some kids too. Mm -hmm. Uh, As well as they later ended up adopting Charles's nephew's child who had autism and that child is called JJ. So Kobe had a Colby is they're actually pronouncing the L in that. Colby had two younger siblings and that is Ty Lee and JJ. And JJ is the the child that has autism. And it was described that Ty Lee and JJ were very, very close. So Colby started to, Colby started to notice that when Charles and Lori got together that she became very religious and that slowly things around the house started changing. Like pictures of the temple got put up in different places and it just became a super, super religious place. Yeah, there must be another like some sort of delineation between icons and whether you can honor them you know it's like i sometimes know a little bit about this because catholics are someone who like have saints and in like you know the byzantine church we have literally icons and we like venerate them which i know other christians are like absolutely not because it literally says take no other god before me so if you actually like pray to an an entity then like are you taking another god before you it's a version like it's like it's like it's like we're doing this for you we're not like thinking that this is better than you if god came down and was like it's me or this Icon, we wouldn't be like, it's the icon. Yeah, I think also the difference too is the priests are the, the priests in the Catholic church kind of like guide you through your relationship with God, whereas in other sects of Christianity, like you have a personal relationship with God. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's definitely interesting because I don't know what the Mormon edict is on that, but the temple, this holy place became very, very important to her. And Lori at that point said that she started to see sister spirits and they would like come and kiss her on the cheek. And then she got some kind of energy from one of these ghosts. I mean, not yeah, ghosts. What are ghosts. they? Uh, spirits. Angels? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She got, <laughs> she got the word that she should move to Kauai. So the uh, family with Charles. That's what up. My, that's what my, you know, weirdly also, that's what my uh, crazy ghost spirit t- angel tells me. That's to what your too. spirit sister comes no. and kiss you on the cheek and says, all the night, please go to Kauai. Marry someone rich. And move to Kauai. I'm like, oh my God, okay. Let me get there. Who do I have to step on to do so? Yeah, yeah. So they go there. And once she gets there, Lori gets very holier than thou. She feels like Charles can't keep up. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he gave up drinking and did everything he was supposed to do to mm-hmm. become a, a proper Mormon, mm-hmm. she felt like, no, 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 I, you know, you're not, you're not here with me in the zone. You are not somebody who is like, traversing dimensions you can't tell whether or not you've had past lives and so therefore you are not as good as i yeah she's feeling herself also because she can do natural texture hair right now because she has really really thick hair so like in hawaii it's like probably you know obviously very humid so she's just like putting in a little like curl cream and living her life she feels 
very good about it. Like they had the best two years of their life in Kauai and I get it. Like probably having like the yummiest Japanese shaped ice, honey. And just like yo on the beach, like she's doing it all, you know, they're definitely, I'm sure like she has peppered in some pigeon into her talking. It's what she goes to like the market. She like tries to pretend that she's lived her, there her whole life. Yeah. And the God. And she says that she honestly doesn't sleep very much because the angels are just talking to her all the time, giving her instructions. And so she had a good friend there named April who we get to have an interview with. And April is like, yeah, no, it got crazy then. She was telling me she was like seeing things and she was hearing stuff and that, you know, she would complain about Charles all the time, but it seemed like they had such a happy relationship. But also meanwhile, at this time, Kobe has to move back to Arizona because he's going to school and he's met a nice girl. And so yeah. he's like moving on with his life, but he still loves Kauai. He loves being there. And so we start to get a little glimpse of Lori thinking that the Lord is gathering his people. So she decides that she's going to move back to Chandler. And it's a shock to the family, but they're mm-hmm. like, that crazy Lori, you know, she does whatever she wants. Yeah. And then Kobe starts to fall in love with a woman named Kylie. So not to get confused, there's a there's a Tylee, there's a Kylie, there's a Lori, there's there's going to be like a Rayleigh or something Lee at the end too. Oh, and my favorite part of the documentary is like when Lori is pregnant, this has already happened, with, Ky- with Tylee and some woman is like, oh, then she, before she gave birth to her daughter, I just thought, when she told me what the name was, that it was the most beautiful name I've ever heard. We were on bated breath to be like, yeah. what is it? And she's like, Tylee. I thought like, Tylee, like Tylee Penner. I mean, come on. No, it's not Tylee. I mean, Tylee is cute as like a little name, but like, and I, and I, listen, I think she's gone through it. So I think that Tylee got rest her soul. Well, anyway, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... You guys, yeah, when this, when the sister-in-law, when Joe's sister says that I, it was the sweetest name, I said, you haven't heard many names in this world that you thought that was the sweetest name you'd ever heard. No. So Kobe is back home in Chandler marrying a Christian, just being a heathen. Yeah. Just out there, just a blasphemer, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take, this heathen Christian mm-hmm. is now taking Kobe away from his mother, mm-hmm. replacing her. So much to the point when Kobe gets married, she doesn't even allow Tylee to come to her brother's wedding. Yeah. And so he's shocked. He assumed they would be there. But no, it's just Charles, his, the man who's basically raised him, not the one who molested him, but the other man. And yeah. yeah. And also, let's speak. Charles is Lori's fourth husband. And hot as one. The yeah. hottest one. Yes, true. Absolutely. 100%. Hot. Just fit, uh, yeah. hot people. Fit. And even Janice says so. Lori's mom, Janice, she thinks he's hot too. And Shani, she has seen and been around many a hot man. Like mm-hmm. Janice knows, you know. Yeah. So I, w- I would take her opinion over anything. So after the wedding, there's a shift. Yeah. And Kobe feels it. And uh, the sister-in-law feels it, who's still in the picture. She feels it. And Lori starts to purchase like, all kinds of doomsday or stuff like bags of rice, flour, all kinds of grains that she could store away. And she becomes a doomsdayer. And she's really believing that it's, it's, we're about to go into end times. And then Lori tells her ex sister-in-law that she, you know, just getting so sick of the world that sometimes she just wants wants to drive off the side of the road with her children. And uh, the sister-in-law says, no, Lori, that's it. No follow-up. Here's the thing. I looked at Wall and I was like, can you imagine a world in which I said, uh, Wall, mm-hmm. uh, it's November, but in June 2022, 
uh, which is, or 23, which is like now next year, uh, world's going to come to end. And I just like, I'll just say right now it's better. I just like go and like kill my whole family. Anyway, um, I'm going to go pick up and do uh, some milk and go to do some yoga. So that is what's happening in my mind. Uh, see you soon. Absolutely. I would literally call every family member that I had in my phone. Mm-hmm. Then I would go onto Facebook and find more of the Faras. Mm-hmm. and be like hey chris has gone crazy everyone absolutely bananas yeah yeah I, like she just said this to me get her some help all of like Lori's friends will be like she said this crazy thing but you know and she just kind of like don't always take it seriously and i think that someone's just like expressing themselves it's really crazy and also another thing that Lori does to express herself is have a podcast and it's called <laughs> feel the fire which i'm like feel oh, the like- fire to the limit to the I thought Feel the Fire sounded like the kind of, you know, name that'd be like on a Taco Bell, like hot sauce packet, which I would really enjoy. Uh, That made me me happy. But yeah, so basically it's a podcast where they just talk about, you know, the end of days is near and blah, blah, blah. I know nigh. And, but it's two women and they sound just like the beaches from SNL, the skit with Anna Gasquire and Molly Shannon. Like they have like a very monotone voice and you know, like they live their lives. So basically that's what, so then we come up to the point where Chad and Lori meet. However, we- Are we Chad and Lori meet? Oh yeah, we are because they have this podcast. But Kobe this whole time is not knowing that his mother's going crazy. She's just, he's just excited that she has friends. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest in our, in our backstage and we're going to bring her out in just a second. <laughs> and remember we told you about her we told you she's coming yes but you know you're you can put your hands together in your own car but hopefully you're not driving it'd be awkward um <laughs> or just like give like a little like or like a little like snap or whatever for our girl and yours kate casey of course host of reality life with kate casey hi mama hi kate <laughs> you of course have the best Instagram to follow in the sense of giving us a lot of great details. But one thing that is like imperative to our lives is yours, what to watch. And last night, Juan, I was at, you know, was clicking through and we were like, let's go see what was on your Instagram, what to watch. Oh, this docuseries was there. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, okay, we'll start to watch it. And then I texted you and be like, do you want to come on the show? And like, it's the most beautiful thing. We've like watched your, we watched, we listened to your episode, which we'll talk about as well. Okay. Like you are so, uh, you're like you know you are the modern tv guide for us i mean yeah like i was like what we, what do we watch oh i don't know let's see what kate says yeah <laughs> but i also feel like you're gonna like hostages on hbo so that's your that's the one you got to watch after this okay Ooh. there's like a lot that you guys could unpack with hostages i thought that was like i'm still thinking about that one. <laughs> oh man yeah okay into it hostages hbo listeners Go ahead and listen. Go ahead and watch it so that when we talk about it, you're prepared. Oh my God, it's be really prepared. good. We'll be uh, just like just a snippet is that it's about the 1979 hostage crisis when the is this are uh, like student revolutionaries in Iran took over the U.S. embassy, and they were supposed to do it for 48 hours, but kept them the Americans hostage for 444 days, and it was right in the middle of the Iranian revolution. So in the four episodes they tell you in the first episode like the backstory on the shah of iran and why they wanted him out of the country and how the revolutionists basically 
gave cause for the Ayatollah to come in and completely change the country. And then you have former hostages that tell their story. And so it's just amazing. But I, I just covered it. And it turns out that my friend, my daughter's friend, her father escaped from Iran during the revolution. And so at the top of the episode, he tells a story about how his uncles were all assassinated because they were generals in the Shah regime. And so the mom escaped with Mark, my friend, and his siblings, and his dad was left behind to do the, basically, like, tie up all their finances and stuff. Our jaws well, he, are open. He, so he gets, so he gets arrested. The dad got arrested. This is 1979. He's put into a prison and he was a dentist. So the prisoners recognized him because he would sometimes go to the prison to fix teeth. So the head of the prison says to him, you're going to get one phone call. I make this last with your wife. In other words, like, you don't know if you're going to make it out of here. So he calls his wife to say like, basically like a goodbye call. Right. Well, later, one of the prison guards said, thank you. You know, I recognize you for helping us out. They're going to assassinate you tomorrow. So I'm going to leave the door of your prison door open. So take, take it as an opportunity to run. So he went, the door was opened. He ran out. He got a ride somehow. He gets to the, uh, the border of Turkey and he spoke Turkish. So that's how he was able to get out. But it's like, what I, I was like I just happened to say to him i'm like oh my god i'm watching this crazy docuseries on hbo called hostages about the Ara iranian revolution he goes yeah that's when i got out i'm like oh my god like so anyway it's gonna make you want to talk to every persian friend you have just to hear like their family's backstory okay yeah amazing wow that's okay. yeah no that's that's it's a movie in itself that person's like life you know yeah. Like, that's yeah that's crazy that's crazy so from Kate's podcast, it's episode 535, where she talks about this show, and she interviews director Sky Borgman and Dr. Matthias, I think I'm saying his Matthias? name. John, John Matthias. Matthias, yeah. uh, who is the forensic psychologist who we see briefly in episode one. And so in this right now, Kate, Kate we're talking about episode one of the show. And so far, okay. I mean, 33 minutes in, and we have been given so much information uh -huh. like, the pacing it was really interesting like we just again are hot off of watching the deep end with teal swan which of course was done in a really intense gorgeous way and there are of course some similar themes right like mm -hmm. women who honey are coming from like a heavy mormon situation that are now feeling like they are an alien with certain gifts and certain you know celestial knowledges that other people don't have it's like very you know spot mm -hmm. on, right yeah in similar ways but yeah so hot off of that it does feel like the pacing wise there is in this episode one like in the first 35 minutes so much information about her exposition and then i feel like in the episode three it lags a little bit so like anyway just mm -hmm. again only talk about episode one so far what are your thoughts okay i think that I think that there was definitely some sort of sexual trauma in her family of origin mm -hmm. with her. And John Matthias, who is the forensic psychologist who's featured in it, mm -hmm. says there seems to have been a very strange relationship between Lori and her father, Barry. In addition to that, there seems to be an odd relationship between Lori and her brother, Alex. Alex was the one who shot her husband. Sitting on his lap. In that picture that they keep showing of her sitting mm -hmm. on his lap in that way and i thought it was weird but i didn't want to like put my yeah like there's some boundary issues yeah. 
So what happens with Lori is that she grows up in a house with a father who has a straight, there seems to be some boundary issues. In addition, he's a conspiracy theorist. He believes that the IRS should be abolished and growing up in a family home where there are no boundary issues and that you have reason to not trust the government is just the tip of the iceberg. So she ends up getting married several times, but I noticed that after this, so the second time that she gets married, she marries this man and he's in a home with her son who's heavily featured in the documentary. Yes. He comes to her and says, he has been touching me in like inappropriately. That seems to me on the scope of Lori Vallow's life when she snaps. I think that that for, and I know this in my mom's case too, that when you're a sexual survivor for her, she would always say, if I had found out that one of you kids had been, assaulted in some way i i don't know what i would have done because i've struggled so much with my own abuse i think in Lori vallow's case that's what snaps her but because of her family of origin and maybe her faith she doesn't seek the the help of a therapist that helps her unravel that and 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 get some coping skills so it seems to me that as she keeps getting married and she's trying to find answers she becomes more and more religious and and pushes herself into the, the the brand of people that believe in the apocalypse yep it's almost like i can't believe the way my life is here on earth and who i have ha- surrounded myself with so i'm going to believe in the afterlife that there's going to be the end of the world and i'm part of the chosen people yep so she's already in this crazed mental state and then meets chad vallow who is this author who made up stories about the apocalypse but then got to have a bunch of ex-mormon people join his group and like come to see him speak and i think then he gets this god complex like lots of cult leaders do where he went from writing about fiction to suddenly like oh no this is the truth i i've seen the future i hear voices i know what's going to happen to the end of the world so he met her at a time where she was getting more and more crazy and it's like a recipe for disaster so when i interviewed dr john matthias he said brilliantly he compared lori vallow and the way she looks at the world to that of someone like muhammad atta who was a 9-11 terrorist Mm. for both of those people they believe in a life after death yeah they're so they so believe in this like delusional space after death Mm -hmm. that who they are and what happens on the earth is almost immaterial. And the people that will suffer in their wake, it doesn't matter because their eye on, is completely on the afterlife. Yeah. So in other words, if her children are missing and they're dead because they're inhabited by zombies, she's making the life for them better in the afterlife. Yeah. So it doesn't bother her that they're missing. It doesn't bother her that they're dead. It doesn't bother her the way they were killed because in her mind, they're now in a safe place in the same way that Muhammad Atta didn't care about the 3000 people that were killed in the World Trade Center because he believes he's going to go to the afterlife and be like surrounded by virgins. Yeah, it's their crazy reality. So that's why people are like when people are asking her, where are your children? What happened to your husband? All these people are dying around you. She doesn't really give an answer. In fact, she like laughs at people. 
she has been known to be in her jail cell today singing at night she's gone so far over the deep end there's like no hope for her to ever give us any real answers well yeah as you said like two days ago she just found to be not competent or they are questionable to be not competent again to stand trial and so uh, which anyway we are as we're watching this, this is episode one, but I mean, I've already talked about certain things that have happened. They try and frame, let me, let me ask you this. They try and frame the story in such we like to find out certain things that you might not, you might already know because this story was big news and I already knew it. Before watching the docuseries, did you know about Lori Ballow? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Were you like, I, I feel like I remember when they couldn't find her kids and they found her in Kauai. And I remember the conversation with Chad Daybell. It's Charles Vallow. And Chad Daybell? Mm-hmm. Chad Daybell, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So where, you know, where like, where's your kids? And she's like... When they're in Hawaii and she's just smiling. She like, that's perfect she, curly hair too. Her, her, yeah. Because they had just gotten married and the she day after. Like, lot, she, yeah. And lots of Botox. Now you see her in jail and it's like the face has fallen and the hair and everything. She was a very vain woman. But then I think that in her family of origin... Yeah. She was sexualized and how she looked was probably her value. Mm-hmm. There's, there's like warped beliefs there. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was interesting about the docuseries, because I felt like I was pretty much a scholar on Lori Vallow at, at that point. And then when I started to watch it, I realized that all those text messages were going to be included. And it reminded me of the other documentary they did on Netflix about the man that, the, that killed his whole family, his wife and two kids, the family annihilation story, Shanann Watts. No. Where you saw the, the documentary was told in the perspective of the woman. So the wife who was killed. So you see all of her text messages and her communication on Facebook. I thought they did a great job in this docuseries in the same way that even though if you felt like you knew so much about this case, Seeing the text messages between Maury Vallow and Chad Daybell takes this to a whole new level. So when I interviewed Sky, who she, by the way, she, she did, was the director of Abducted in Plain Sight, yeah. which is a really good documentary, and A Girl in the Picture. She's so good. She said that they were pretty much done with the docuseries, but then those text messages were released. So they scrapped so much of it to make sure that there was an emphasis on those text messages because by doing that you're seeing in real time the level of crazy yeah yeah. you're seeing it play out in a whole it's just so visceral i just you just are like those kids there was no hope for them yeah the other thing is i was always frustrated with melanie the cousin whenever she was interviewed she was very cagey and by seeing those text messages and understanding john dr john matthias's outlook that's why Melanie is cagey about the answers too, because she's never going to give you an answer you want because she just believes that everybody that's died is in a good place. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Like she, she, they feel like they did the, a good thing by killing these people the Lord's because work. zombies inhabited their bodies. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's interesting when we think about writers that start to think that their stories are true, like L. Ron mm-hmm. Hubbard, you know, like what L. Ron Hubbard's, idea of end of life or end of days and like the you know theodens and like you know the same thing with Mm -hmm. the same thing with the fundamental lds like they all believe that they're going to get their own universe and their wives are celestial yeah they're going to get their own celestial kingdom and it's always Mm -hmm. like so just so interesting that whenever there is this heavy emphasis on on the afterlife that people are just able to make these wild choices it 
And I don't know like what those correlations are. Like I was telling Chris earlier, is there something in the Mormon church? That, and yes, there is. Like whatever the fundamentalists believe must be in the like Book of Mormon somewhere where it says you're going to get a celestial kingdom because before the fundamentalists yeah. broke off, they all believed that mm-hmm. by the amount of wives you had and how you know holy you were, and there was one prophet and mm-hmm. and all of all of that jazz. So. It's like when that happens, it's just like a breeding ground for that fundamental Mm -hmm. like thought. And when things don't happen right in your life, especially if you're in a religion where optics are very important and you're in a tight knit community that can create space for abuse of different kinds, as well as this like well, it doesn't matter, you know, it's it's all about the afterlife, like this time mm-hmm. on earth is fleeting and you'll have eternity in heaven, you know? It's like the opposite of YOLO. It's just like, you know, it really, <laughs> really? It's, yeah, it's YOLO. You totally. Always live. It's, it's like, yeah, you always live. This one, just get rid of this one. Yeah. Life Can is like a tissue shirt? box, honey. Get rid of this tissue, one will just pop right back up, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I just thought this story was so fascinating now here's the turn of events is that the son who's featured heavily if you google it he had is getting divorced from his wife and she said that he assaulted her and he admitted to it in like she recorded him so you you feel such empathy for this young man young man he's probably his 30s but you're you know that he's been raised by this lunatic mom and then you hear that he assaulted his his wife and you're like man this is just dark first of all that's horrifying you know it's interesting i was gonna say the docuseries in itself is i feel like paints lori in a very vulnerable and like light that is like a victim not not a victim a victim of like circumstance and of like religion and just harsh beliefs and you know whatnot it doesn't it's Mm -hmm. you know like it doesn't really talk about what also happened in the marriages that she had like how many you know like there's things she's painted in a very like pristine way they also said that Barry, her father and her mother, her mother just seems like not, she seems like the quintessential mother that there's like abuse in the home, but she turns a blind eye. Mm-hmm. Like we had a, we had a wonderful family. Yeah. And you're like, mm, really? Yeah. She did say, and so did the father, that she was always a very religious child. Yes. And I, so then you're like, yeah. oh, she was that she was the perfect person. I that's why I think that she snapped with that second marriage and the husband assaulting her son. Yeah, I think that's that's where it all really began to go. How south. do you ever say that your eight year old looked at you with such awe and then you knew that they were just so Christlike? And even like the sister in law, Joe's sister, saying that Lori always needed to say that the reason why she was doing what she was doing is because the Lord was talking to her. Mm-hmm. and wheel of fortune the lord honey like first of all i i wish the lord would tell me that i was going to be on like yeah love the voices in your head yeah, yeah. those are those that's directly from the lord yeah <laughs> i know it is it is wild to me when i overhear when i hear someone say well the lord told me i'm like well does he have an accent yeah like is there music in the background <laughs> like what yeah how do you distinguish your your lord yeah. the lord in your head versus your yeah. your random thoughts because Right. Listen, the Lord is talking to me too. Then the but- Lord told me I, I I would love to hear some more '80s music. The Lord told me <laughs> I should eat some tacos. Like, what are they talking about? What What did you think about the fact that Kobe also made kind of like a YouTube presence about his? Story? I think uh, I think that that family is all about recognition and acknowledgement. 
Like there's, it's all surface in their family. Let's put out this imagery that we're this wonderful family with five kids. We're like the perfect Utah family. I think that sometimes people that leave the Mormon faith are angered by the culture that they grew up in. Yeah, It seems like that's a, like a thing that I hear a lot. And I yeah. feel like I've done, like I interviewed the woman that took down Warren Jeffs. Oh, Alyssa Wall. Yeah. And she's talked a lot about that. She said, it's like, you have even the, in, in the FLDS church, it's like to put this image out that like, you're so happy. Like everything is wonderful. Like you could never, ever project anything other than complete joy all the time. Yeah. yeah, which is crazy because the, I mean, it's also interesting because these communities are so tight knit, but they're they're like, except for the FLDS, the communities are tight knit, but you're still out in the world like like mm-hmm. the it, it's I, I could see if I could see it 100 percent from those who like stayed sweet and, you know, pray and obey. But the Mormon kind of fundamentalists that are or conservative folk that are just like moving about Utah, they probably are like can can feel i guess more anger because they're in the world yet they still don't see it mm-hmm. and it's yeah. got to be very frustrating because because they not everybody can keep up that facade i think it's a very specific like trait mm-hmm. to be able to fake the funk in that way christine couldn't i'll tell you that right now christine was over it honey christine brown honey i mean no christine had put up with it for so long with so many seasons of having to be like everything's mm-hmm. fine no we all love her Robin's brain. I'm so happy. There, there, there's also some element of all those faiths being like you're you're stuck. I, it reminds me of my aunt who was a nun and she left when she was like 22 and she ended up marrying my uncle. And I remember asking her, why did you leave the convent? And she said, I felt like I was in a perpetual state of adolescence. And I feel like it's the same with some of these faiths. Like sure. they're stuck in this perpetual adolescence. They There's a nativity to them so they're it's like they're the perfect person to compromise yeah it's it's kind of like someone who loves disneyland as an adult and i like disneyland as an adult you know (laughs) yeah oh not me i think that's totally disturbing but listen do you you have to go as an orange county mom right i've gone maybe three times i have an annual pass anytime you want me to go and like i'll take a kid Okay, please do because I'm never going there. That's because what that's because when I was at the Milton Hershey School, we got free tickets to Hershey Park. Oh, so the town of Hershey hated us because we were all like orphaned, poor kids. And I mean, the football game was like Milton Hershey versus Hershey High. It was the big football game called the Cocoa Bean, and the cheer, the chant that Hershey would go. Yes, 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 we do. We've got parents. How about you? (gasps) Horrible. That's and so. When we, would go to, when we would go into the town of Hershey or Hershey Park, they always knew that we were Milton Hershey students, which we were called Milts because we'd have to wear like certain outfits. Like we were an occultist too, but, but they just could see, I mean, also because many of us were like, not that I am, but like a lot were minorities in a very white town. Yeah. So it just felt like I hated going to Hershey Park because I felt like I can't enjoy this because everyone's like, oh, it's the poor kids. It's the, you know. Ugh. So I feel like that stained, stained my amusement park experience. Okay, listen, we're adults now and there's California Adventure has alcohol, okay? And- but also small, small world, 
smells like asbestos. There's one, that's one out of many, many different rides. And again, California Adventure has okay. like some newer rides. And I, I, does say alcohol? Okay. Listen, I'm going to stop the bullying right now because Chris, <laughs> Chris will will tear you down to try to get you to go to Disneyland. But Kate, oh. I don't. We don't want to take up too much of your your uh, Sunday night. So can you just like tell us? I know that you have a show coming up November 20th, I believe, in New York, and then December yeah. 3rd in mm-hmm. LA. So just God like let you. us know all the details of where they can find you and like you know yeah. November 20th, City City Winery in New York City, a live show, and then a live show at December 3rd in Los Angeles at the Hollywood Improv. And then you can get my must-watch list by going to katecasey.substack.com. Get that, because every Monday I put a guide of what to watch. For example, this week coming up, I have 38 at at the Garden, which is about Jeremy Lin, the basketball player, Mm -hmm. who was a walk-on, like basketball player, like an unbelievable story, great story. One about women's soccer fighting back allegations of, of abuse. That's called Truth Be Told on ESPN+. Plus. Oh, and wait, this is another one. You guys, oh my God, you got to have to watch it. It's finally airing on PBS. It's called Accepted. So it's a documentary about this school called TM Landry in New Orleans. So you would recognize it because they would do all these viral TikToks of kids finding out they got into colleges. It'd be like, they get into Harvard and Dartmouth and Brown and it'd be like all minority students pretty much. It was like, oh my God, they got into Harvard. Unbelievable. And then you find out the school is like very avant-garde. Like you basically are, you go in the morning and you're there all night long, but it's like, you don't want to leave because it's so fun. And we don't have, oh, textbooks. And you're like, okay, you don't have textbooks, but you're getting into Harvard. Like what? So this documentary film crew went to film them because of the TikTok. They're like, this is like an unbelievable school. So halfway through filming, there's an expose by the New York Times that they were lying and fudgy numbers to get the kids like into those schools. Mm-hmm. So I interviewed the director because it was like, were you shitting bricks? Mm-hmm. And so you see it all unravel. It's That's crazy. That's so anyway, that comes out on the 10th, October 10th. So what is that? That's tomorrow. So it's on PBS. It's called Accepted. That's a really good documentary. Okay. I really want to see it. One more thing. Did you watch the Bling Ring one? I People like love, love that Bling Ring one. I didn't like it because I felt like two things. One, a little bit tone deaf when we have so many people in Los Angeles that are being burglarized and murdered. Mm-hmm. Like Cl- Clarence Avon's wife was murdered. The bling ring is basically about people stealing forever 21 satchels from Audrina Patridge from the Hills. Like I, mm, like a little toned up. Also, they were so smug. They didn't even feel bad about what they did. They're just kind of like, yeah, like we totally broke into our house. And I just felt like you're assholes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's such a breach. I wanted to laugh at them. So that that was the reason why I brought it up. I love you so much. And I'm so. Love you. So pumped for your live show in LA for sure. And I wish I could just be, you know, wish I could go to both of them. I love New York. You're the, you're the best and uh, happy Halloween, you know? Oh, I know. I can't wait to drive past your house and see all the decorations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, can I bring the kids over? Mm-hmm. Do you give candy out? Mm-hmm. Is it good candy? Mm-hmm. Like it's legit. Yeah. We're, I mean, we've, full size. we've okay. been <laughs> full, full size, size candy bars. Yeah, honey, decadent, decadent, luxurious, <laughs> luxury and decadent. <laughs> wow. Do you think I should dress up for Halloween or like, I just get to Halloween and I'm like, I'm entertaining all year long. I can't do it. Tonight. Yes. You know, I want to be Teal Swan. That would be good. Yeah. I'm gonna do Should like- I be Lori Vallow? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, oh, 
Lenny, Lenny like, but especially but the, like black. But, I love the outfit that she wore during the Miss, Miss America pageant or whatever it was. So oh, you have to get a Texas sash. I don't know. No, do the and Hawaii that, like, one. Yeah, do the Hawaii waves. waves. Hawaii with the waves. Yeah. But right. but will people be like, so you dressed up as the woman who murdered her kids? Well, I you know one year I, I was a yeah. I one year I was a polygamous wife. I'll send you the picture. And I had some like somebody make me a polygamous gown, and I had a French braid, and I put one of the kids in a baby Bjorn. But here's the worst part. Mm. None of my neighbors seem to be phased by it. I have so many kids. They're just like, she's probably an FLDS person anyway. <laughs> they're like, oh. They I was like, guys, them. I'm a polygamous, polygamous wife. Maybe half the people don't even know what that is. You were a sister wife and nobody gave you the validation required. Not, no. Not, I'm going to send you the picture. You guys will die. They're yeah. like, she's like a cute, like cottagecore prairie dress wearing girl. <laughs> it was you. like that horrible green color too. That <laughs> I think my mom called it puce, but I don't think that's the color. It was like throw up green. Yeah. Oh, puke green. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like those when you go to your grandmother's house and she would give you those like pastel colored mints that just like melt in your mouth. It's like mm -hmm. that color. Yeah. Actually, that sounds great. <laughs> I hate those mm -hmm. mitts. Oh, I like them. I, I like know. Them. You yes. love old people candy. Oh, I love. Oh, it's better. <laughs> she loves. She sure does. She likes Werther's. Yeah. She likes those little strawberry <gasps> ones with the oh, things. In the I center. like Werther's. Like gooey's in the center. She says she loves Werther's. Yeah, I like Werther's. I think that's an underrated candy, and I don't like candy. Candy, but that's Listen, a good candy. I, I, I like delicious. caramels. I love a caramel. Honey. <laughs> I like. I like a butterscotch. Oh yeah, 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 butterscotch. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, Werther's yeah. is. Is butterscotch. Oh, I like Werther's. I'm just saying yeah. that, you know, that it was just mm -hmm. one of the old people candies. This elite old people candy. Or like a York peppermint patty, but only if it's been frozen. Ooh. I didn't know about that. Yeah. No, yeah, we yeah. don't know, honey, but we're coming for it. Yeah. I used to go to I used to go to Becky Merrill's house and her dad used to give us vanilla ice cream and pour creme de menthe on it. And we would eat it. Is that weird? That's alcohol, right? It, sound, it sounds great. It sure is. It sure <laughs> it sounds, is. It sounds great. No, it sounds you illegal. Would, you would give pour it, alcohol. You just pour <laughs> alcohol on our vanilla ice cream. They wanted you to go to sleep. Is what they did. They got you guys a little bit of uh, like you know you sometimes the old school thing of putting bourbon in bottles so kids will just go to sleep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sleepy. Yes. I'm, wow. Yeah. Anyway, it probably worked like a charm. You know. <laughs> sleepovers no probably oh my yeah. god by the way no one does sleepovers anymore which is kind of great all parents kind of all are in agreement like there's no point to sleepovers yeah i'm in agreement i can't send my kid to a sleepover I'm not, i mean if my hypothetical oh. child I, I, at a certain age you would, no I, one I does disagree. it it's like a part i think it's a part of like girl passage i think that it's like you have to like listen no because it's always like some they say that an abducted in plain sight is like a perfect example of this is mm -hmm. that they say that it's the weird it's not actually not always the weird dad it's like the cousins or the brothers yeah you have to know are do you have brothers you have know the family do you have cousins mm -hmm. are they going to be there like because yeah. you don't want to put your child in a situation yeah. where they could be i mean that's how i was raised i wasn't yeah. allowed to sleep at people's houses because they were like yeah children get molested at people's houses Yes. Your parents were way ahead of their time. <laughs> well, they really were. My dad's an immigrant. Because so, not, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's there cool. you go. Yeah. My mom would let me sell Girl Scout cookies by myself in a neighborhood. Like, if they offer to give you dinner, cool. Stay as long as you want. Walk home. <laughs> just as long as, like, you got your, your subscription sold, honey. Also, you got yeah, home like, by just the, like... Sell a bunch. Yeah, I was home at like 10 p.m. and I would have sold like two boxes of Thin Mints. My mom's like, okay, 
Not even by the street lamp? Like you didn't have to be home by the street lamps going on? No, because I lived in like suburban Philadelphia where it was just like neighborhoods where there was just like wooded area. So I had to know the tree branch to go under to get back to my house. God, God, yeah. it's a similar time. Yeah. I'm an only yeah. child, so my yeah. dad was like so happy for me to like have anyone over or leave. I I was just <laughs> yeah. I, I love you. I love you so okay. much. Thank you thank so you. much, Kate. We'll thank give you, you back your evening. Love you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you guys go check out Kate Casey and you have a good night. You too. Okay, goodbye. Bye. At Kate Casey on Instagram is definitely like imperative what like mm-hmm. following. Yeah. But so happy that we had her on and we love her so much. So yeah. Go ahead and give her podcast a listen if you for some reason haven't. So let's just wrap this episode up. So at the end of this episode, Lori, after she moves back to Chandler, Arizona, decides that she wants to get away from Charles because she's already met Chaz and Charles is Chad and Charles is not up to snuff. So she devised like a story where Charles is cheating Mm -hmm. because she realizes that Charles has kind of uncovered some like uncouth behavior from her. And so she tells his entire, her entire family that Charles is cheating and she has evidence of it. Mm -hmm. And then when Charles like tells the family that he's found evidence that she's cheating and that she has been crazy and like pretends that his name is Ned now, like not Ned Flanders, but like another Ned Sanders, something great. Like, I, I yeah. don't know, like these bananas, like, oh, yeah, he's gone. There's no, there is no Charles. It's now Ned and Ned's a weird demon. And Ned's mm-hmm. now my husband. And I found that Ned's been looking online and like she gets messages, but she doesn't send it to anyone. And he, like, so she, she tells him that she has all this stuff and he just is like, comes oh, home. That? emails against her that oh, like yeah. you know like she's like i have evidence and so he like is like what evidence it's like i'm gonna take your car i'm gonna take all your stuff she like he like comes back and she like did yeah so he finds evidence that chad had given her a list of the people in her life who had dark spirits in them he sends this all out to her family saying you're, this woman is crazy something is going on with Lori. help me help me but she has already planted the seeds that he was cheating. So nobody believes him because it just sounds like he's making this up to cover up his cheating tracks. Now, Charles works in, he travels for work. So one time he's gone for work and he's in like Texas somewhere. Mm-hmm. And during this time is when she goes in and she cancels his flight back home, sends her brother, Alex, the one that th- there's a boundary issue with, sends her brother, Alex, to the airport to get his vehicle to keep him stranded and not allow him. So even if he does get back to Arizona, that he does no ride to get home, uh, even though he could just Uber, but you know. And so then like he tries to reach, the only family member who will talk to him is her oldest brother, Adam. So Adam enters the chat and he's like, you know, something's going on. This time Adam is like living in Kansas. So Adam is completely out of the loop. And so he's just like, you know, believing Charles because I guess like his, maybe his last couple interactions with Charles were positive. The police get called in because he's like, I don't know what my wife is gonna do go no i think that also like he's like my sister sounds crazy yeah i think he's have to take charles aside because like he's like yeah i talk to Lori and she sounds bananas yeah yeah and so Lori thinks they're gonna start some sort of intervention and adam's in on it so she gets her brother alex to be on her side yeah and when charles finally gets to arizona there's an agreement that he's gonna pick up the the son jj and take him to school and this is at this point where this is where Charles meets his demise by being shot t- two times in the chest by Alex. Yeah. And it's very weird. Like exactly what went down. It's like, 
Lori was there with Tylee and JJ in the morning. And then like, when was it shot? Because they were arguing. And then, you know, at some point, Lori just takes all the kids and leaves and like drops JJ off at school. But, Goes like, to Burger King, buys some flip-flops. Like, it's just like a whole weird scenario. And the police don't understand the timeline of it. So they just like let Alex go because Alex says that he was hit in the back of the head and it was self-defense. And I said, only in a place where you have like an open carrier, like gun law, can you kill somebody because they had a baseball bat like it's like i don't catch up with that like i I think that is a a weapon though so you can shoot someone who's like yeah i guess but what i'm talking about is the fact that like someone can come at you with a weapon that cannot kill you and you can come back with them with a weapon that definitely will kill them so it's just like you know it, it was a lot going on and you know when the police come, she feels she feels real chill. And also, when we hear the nine one one call from Alex, he's like, uh, "Yeah, so I did, I just killed my brother in law, self defense." And she, they're like, oh, "Okay, we'll try try CPR." He's like, "Okay, I'm trying. It's not working." Yeah, this man didn't yeah, even try. Not His even. voice is not even panicked. He didn't put oh, on speaker. Oh. He didn't even pretend. Didn't try. You don't hear any muffling on him, like, like nothing. You know, like Lori has this thing when the cops like talk to her she like comes up and she's like hey guys yeah no we just moved to this neighborhood boy or my neighbor probably like she's crazy but it's just a normal day for me Lori. <laughs> <laughs> it's like very cash yeah the cops crazy. are like oh so sorry to hear that mm-hmm. yeah no you're normal okay you're normal yeah, yeah. i get it yeah mm-hmm. like weird. what a weird thing that happened to you you know like it's really goes to show you pretty privilege they're so blase about alex has just killed a man like there's there's they just let him go yeah they do. They see that he has like they take him into the like whatever, and then they interview everybody, and he has like an inch gash on the back of his head, and it's and the, I mean it. I just it was it. it was it was overwhelmingly shocking how bad the cops were <laughs> and how like they just you didn't think anything was serious, as if their job wasn't serious, you know, as if these things happen, you know, like someone just died. Oh, well, you know, yeah. there's been a whole family and like sons you have to talk to. It's, it's, you know, it is hard. This whole, this series is difficult to watch, you know, like it's, it touches on a lot of themes that we talked about already, but, but you should watch it, but we you absolutely should. Should. You should watch it. So this is where we end with episode one. And so we'll get more into the, the call and the, the situation in next episode, but note that this is the first murder. <laughs> this is the first death. Yeah, that won't be the last, honey. It, yeah, it won't. We want to give our special thanks to Kate Casey for coming on and giving her expertise, my loves, as, you know, we talk more and more about murder. This one's a good Halloween one to start about, you yeah. know? Yeah, and you can definitely find her, um, again, on her podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Reality Life with Kate Casey. And she just does the, like, we're funny and we, like, just talk about the cuff of our head. But if you, like, want, like, t- a timeline, if you want, like, you know, someone to just give you the facts. Kate type Casey. A, yeah. yeah, type A to the max. You know, like she's perfect. She Kate Casey's on the, she's on the case. Yeah, you're like she's on the Kate Casey. Kate Casey's on the With case. Casey. Okay. <laughs> we love you guys so much. So you can follow us, of course, Instagram and Twitter at Docu Sweeties. Docu Sweeties one on Twitter and Docu Sweeties one on TikTok. We give you a live feed video with every one of our podcasts. Like, of course, you're listening to it for free. But if you want to give us a little money, how would you do it? Well, you would do it on patreon.com slash docusweeze. It's $10 a month. You get the visual and the unedited version of what you are hearing here today. Mm-hmm. And we're cute. And so you can see Kate, too. Yay! Yay! So we love you guys so much. And we want you to have, you know, happy Halloween-y, spooky October. And, you know. We'll see you later. For two and three. Bye. Bye. <laughs>